Lord, we surrender this time into your hands, O Master. You are the creator, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And Lord, thank you, Jesus, for taking, on, taking us on this journey of the book of Revelation. Thank you, O God, that it is you who is anointed to speak your word, O Master. It is you who is speaking to your children. And all the ears and the hearts that are listening to this teaching are anointed. And they open, O Master, to listen to your word, O Master. That any preconceived ideas, any preconceived thoughts, any preconceived notions that they have, O Master, which are not according to your word, I take authority and I cancel in the name of Jesus, O Master. Lord, only if we empty ourselves can we be filled. A full cup cannot receive anything much. Thank you, Jesus. Give people the grace to empty themselves today, O Master, because it's a very crucial teaching, O Master, and Lord, you know it. And thank you, O God, that it is you who are going to speak. You're going to speak to the hearts of all the people who are listening to this, O Master, and give them the grace to break every negative teaching, every wrong doctrine, anything that has been taught to them which is not according to your word, O Master. Let it be broken, O Master, and let them come before you empty, broken, to be filled with your word, O Master. Thank you, Jesus, for this hours of teaching that you are going to be with us, and it is you who is the one who is the author of everything over here, O Master. And we give you all the grace and give you all the honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So we learned the last time about uh, before, after the sixth, after the sixth trumpet is blown, then we have the seventh trumpet to be blown. But before that, we have the angel and the little scroll. Remember that? And then the two witnesses, Moses and Elijah, who come in. And then after that, we have the seventh trumpet being blown. That is the last, last trumpet being blown. And before going to chapter 12, we'll go to chapter 11, verse 19. Then God's temple in heaven was opened and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple and there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake and heavy hail. Okay, so that is how it ended the last time that we were teaching how the last trumpet that is the worst of the wrath of God that was being poured. But just before it was being poured, God does something beautiful. God's temple in heaven was? God's temple in heaven was open. And really long back, when the, the time when they, we were reading about, uh, you know, this, how, when was the heaven scrolled up? You read that? When you opened the sixth seal, what happened? There were things happening like a great earthquake. The sun becomes dark. The moon becomes dark. The stars begin to fall. And then the sky vanishes like a scroll. So when I said the sky vanished like a scroll, so whatever is above the sky was easily visible to the people. Now here, what God is saying is, now, and what we see is, what we could see at that particular point of time was the first and the second heaven. No one can see the third heaven. The third heaven is a place where God the Father stays. He resides there in the third heaven. But here what happens, just before he is pouring his final wrath, 
at that time god's temple in heaven is open and the ark of the covenant is seen the ark of the covenant is seen okay now where do you see the ark of the covenant first time in the bible go to exodus chapter 25 to 27 you read uh, exodus 25 verse 10 onwards उंड You shall cast four rings of gold for it, and put them on its four feet. Two rings on the one side of it, and two rings on the other side. You shall make poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with gold. And you shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark, by which to carry the ark. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark; they shall not be taken from it. You shall put into the ark the covenant that I shall give you. Okay, so God is giving specific instructions to Moses about how He wants this ark of the covenant to be built. He has exact measurements, the length, the breadth, the height, and with what metal you are going to cover it. What is going to be inside of it? Even the even the holes for the poles to go in, and every detail. he has given into making and then you go ahead he will also talk about how to make the mercy seat how to place the cherubims there and what material you have to use and how they should be facing each other okay. all this he says so that why he says there i will meet you and from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the covenant i will deliver to you all my commands for the israelites he is making this ark so in such a specific measure in in precise detail and he is giving them instructions for that because that is the place he says now i will come and meet you otherwise moses was always going alone to talk to the lord he would meet with the lord now god says moses you don't have to come i myself will come and reside in the ark so it's not that god the father will come in his own presence his his spirit would reside in that ark so people cannot see him face to face no one can see god to face to face and live but his presence would fill the mercy seat and is very precise about it how it has to be done and moses goes you know into every detail to build this ark of the covenant okay and what is this ark of the covenant contain this ark he has made now it is heavily curtained it is not something that people can easily see it's heavily curtained curtains even the levites who were allowed to go into the holy of holies only they also could open and see but not it is not everyone is not visible for the public to see the ark of the covenant it's to be covered and they have to carry it and nice thick blue and crimson 
and one more color gold was the color of the curtains that was put around this ark of the covenant and within that ark what was there there was a tabernacle and in that tabernacle very important things there were the the stone tablets containing the 10 commandments then there was what there was the manna from heaven and the third was an aaron's rod that had budded that had budded these three things were placed inside the ark of the covenant and once the ark was completely you know was completed the work was finished the glory cloud that is called the shekinah glory what is it called the shekinah glory cloud covered the entire place so that they came to know that god's now present in that place he is present in the ark of the covenant it overshadowed the ark of the covenant now a similar overshadowing we see in the life of mother mary you see the same overshadowing in the life of mother mary the holy spirit overshadowed her and she conceives and gives birth to jesus now the ark of the old covenant which you see was a dwelling place of was a dwelling place of god god the father his presence was there and the ark of the new covenant which is mother mary that's her womb it conceived who the god the son of god so the ark of the old covenant contained three things an ark of the new covenant which is mother mary also contained these three things god was very specific as i told you about how he has to give instructions and what detailing went into making the ark of the covenant because there is a place where he himself would come with his people so how much more detailing would he do for this for this girl this jewish girl who would give birth to his only son would it be just any random person who whom he picked up would it be just some any any woman on earth she had to be something and he has been working on her not now from the time adam fell eve fell from that time the plan of god even before that mother mary was already in the plan of god nothing is like nothing is taken you know god is taken by surprise by anything all that was in plan and it took them so many years thousands of years before this jewish girl could be born and her womb would conceive would place the son of god so how precious would be that girl how precious would be that womb many people speak the people speak about mother mary in very derogatory terms sometimes i feel i'm speaking to everyone who's listening if you don't have anything good or if you have lack of knowledge is always better to zip your mouth up don't open your mouth up and land up into a bigger pit if you don't have knowledge ask god he will give you but without knowledge don't open your mouth and speak any derogatory word about the mother of god god loved her so much that he has chosen her separately to bear his only son just for a place for him to reside he has made this acacia wood you know acacia wood is that specificity of it it does not get spoiled it's incorruptible wood he chose that particular wood it's a wood he chose that kind of wood he put it with full gold inside gold outside he gave exact measurements of how it has to be made and that is 
as a wooden piece where his presence would come here he has to choose a girl and how much worthy she should be how pure and holy she should be how innocent she should be how blessed she should be so even you do not know i'm telling again it's better to close your mouth rather than go and fall into condemnation you can go against man and fight a battle but if you fight against god there is no way that you can run and if god has chosen her to be the mother of his son then god knows best his wisdom and knowledge is beyond anyone's understanding beyond any human being nothing on earth can compare to his wisdom and if he chose her and calls her holy he calls her blessed who are we that we can even have the guts to open our mouth and speak something about this precious woman that god has created is it clear is it clear yeah praise god i am not trying to scare you or you know get down heavily on you but it's pained me deeply when i hear the teachings of people and they just tear the mother apart it's your own mom will you allow anyone to speak like that your own earthly mother with her faults with her uh, negativities with her anger with whatever it is but a child cannot hear anyone insulting the mother then what right have you got to speak like that about the mother of god what right do you have to even open your mouth to even condemn her so you need to know about this mother so this teaching is the ark of the covenant contained the three things at that time and this ark of the covenant that is the mother mary that is the womb of mother mary contained those three things itself so what happens actually after joseph after moses dies what happens with the ark of the covenant i'll come to the ark of the covenant and then later on come to mother mary so what happens with the ark of the covenant where does it where does it go this has made the ark of the covenant now he is dead so now who is in charge joshua and he takes the israelites and he leads them across the jordan river they go enter into the promised land and there they are staying there for you know in the place called as shilo and the ark of the covenant is placed there for more than 200 years for more than 200 years it is in the place called as shilo and they are you know normal uh, life is going on 200 years god's presence is over there he ministers to the ministers to them and when they carry the ark of the covenant when they are shifting the place you know how they would move the ark of the covenant would be carried by the levite priest and there would be distance of 2600 feet nobody will be close to the ark of the covenant they have to be so far away and no one touches the ark of the covenant they have poles and the poles are kept to them but they will not be allowed to touch no human being could touch anything that is concerned with the ark of the covenant they would have such a distance would be there and heavily curtained everybody knows it's the ark but nobody will go and open it touch it clean it or do anything that specific you know responsibility would be given to the levite priest who had the responsibility of praying there worshiping there offering incense over there and once or twice a year as god the father will call them they would enter in and do what was required for them but other people had no clue what was kept inside the ark of the covenant nobody has seen it so listen carefully this will be very very significant later on nobody knew exactly what was kept inside the ark of the covenant now one day they are in a war and they are in war with the philistines and they are losing that war they are losing the war so the people what they do they run they carry the ark of the covenant right to the 
front of the battlefield and moment they come into the front of the battlefield the philistines they seize it they seize the ark of the covenant and they take it away into their own country now these people are completely it's never happened till now 200 years they have safeguarded the ark the ark went ahead of them the ark safeguarded them ark was their light gave direction and everything but this war they lost and the philistines take the ark of the covenant and they run into their own country and they worship pagan gods and they worshiping a pagan god called as dagon his name is d a g o n dagon so what they do they take this ark of the covenant they don't know what to do with it so they take it into the same room or the temple where this pagan god's statue is kept over there and they keep the ark of the covenant next to it and they go off to the rooms or you know to their own thing next day morning when they come to see this place they are so surprised because the statue of the dagon is lying down face down on the ground like face down in front of the ark of the covenant they said they put up like how how did this happen so they just lift it up they put it back into the place and they go back again to their homes to the regular routine when they come back the next day morning they are so surprised to find that the you know the head is cut off the limbs are cut off only the trunk is lying there and all other you know it's broken into pieces and thrown away so now they are amazed they are they know that this is the wrath of god upon them but for seven months these people don't give up they have not returned the ark of the covenant back to the israelites they are still trying their level best to keep it with them and that seven month god's wrath will fall down heavily on these philistines tumors tumors you know like cancerous growth which will be upon all the people they will be plagues one after the other so many things that at the end of seven months they say we can't deal with it we can't deal with it it is high time we return the ark back to the israelites so what they do they will go and ask their elders in their how are we supposed to return it you know because no one touches the ark of the covenant what are we going to do and now fear has come into them they have seen seven months wrath of god upon them so they return the ark along with the guilt offering along with the guilt offering and the guilt offering is what they will make uh, you know pieces of uh, tumors like they make gold pieces of tumors and gold mice gold mice and gold tumor like like suppose if you have a growth they made the growth in uh, in a golden statue like a, like a small ball kind of thing and they make so much of it they place it upon uh, two oxen which has never carried any yoke on them no people are there they place the ark upon its back they place the guilt offering and they just leave them they are saying if this if this ox the oxen if they walk straight back to the israelites camp then we know it is from god two oxen they just leave them people have loaded it upon them and they have gone back to their place they are watching from far off and these two oxen who have never carried a yoke on their shoulder never done that kind of work they walk straight carrying the ark of the covenant and the guilt offering straight into the israelites camp climbing a mountain going in a different direction not being led by any human being they go straight right into the israelites camp and those people moment they see the ark coming they are so thrilled they start dancing they start rejoicing and they are you know their their joy is uh, uh, limitless because they had lost it 
and they're feeling so bad about themselves that is they couldn't safeguard the ark of the covenant and the philistines have taken it and gone away it's 7 months now but now the ark of the covenant comes back to them and they are so thrilled now david gets the news of this that the ark of the covenant has come so he goes to receive the ark of the covenant and bring it to the city to the main place and he carries with him people and he is dancing that's the david's dance that we say right he dances like like he gives his all to the dance he's not bothered about who's watching or what they are doing he's just dancing rejoicing in the presence of god and when they were carrying the uh, this covenant now the people are carrying the levites are carrying one particular guy in when they were going through a particular path this is slight the road is uneven so you know kind of slightly stri- like tripped or something like that so the ark of the covenant slightly moved its place immediately this guy called uzaya lifts his hand and tries to steady the ark the moment he lifts his hand and touches the ark he dies instantly on the spot now why would you think you think your uh, why would god do he was not doing anything evil was he doing anything evil he was trying to safeguard the ark of the covenant and i asked this question to god many times i said lord why why did you have to strike him dead there and god gave this understanding when god has given an instruction no one should touch means nobody should touch and god knows how to take care he doesn't need any human intervention even if the whole thing had gone topsy turvy he knows how to keep it straight he does not need any human intervention to help god god does not require human help he is given an instruction he is given a command he knows how to do it and if you disobey him that is what happened to uzziah immediately david gets put up he gets scared he says oh my god this guy just touched it and you know he is uh, struck dead so what does he say how can the ark of the lord now come to me he scared fear enters his heart at the death of uzziah now david who had gone with full enthusiasm to carry the ark into the temple to come no the temple was not yet built to bring it to the rightful place now he full fear and he says how can i carry the ark how can i let the ark come to me and he leaves it in the house of obey obedam what is his name scholars obed idom he leaves it in the house of obed idom and there he sees now the ark is in obed idom's house and he is prospering everything he touches is becoming like multiplying his sheep his family and everything is getting blessed and now david david realizes oh the ark is placed in his house so he is prospering so now let me go and bring the ark into my house so then that's how david and bring the ark into his house or he'll bring it into judea or he'll bring it into jerusalem now look the same thing which i told you about david and how the ark is brought into jerusalem now compare that with the visitation of Elizabeth with mother Mary so we'll take Luke chapter 1 verse 39 to 45 you compare David and the ark to Luke's account of the visitation Luke chapter 1 verse 39 to 45 Luke chapter 1 In those days Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth 
When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that they would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Okay. Now, those days Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town. That Judean town or the place that she goes to meet Elizabeth, it's called as Ian Karim. It's called as Ian Karim. And this is very close walk from a place called Abu Ghosh. And that is exactly the place where the ark resided. Where Elizabeth is, Mother Mary is walking towards to meet Elizabeth in the Judean country of Jerusalem, the place that she is walking and going, the same path was taken by the ark. I understand. She is walking through a place called as Ian Karim, and where the ark went, that is called as Abu Ghosh, just next to each other. Both of them are on the same journey, walking the same path to the hill country of Judea. Now, what happened when David saw the ark? What did he say? He was in fear. But what did he say? How come? Why? What did he say? How can the ark of the Lord come to me? He is telling, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? And moment Elizabeth sees Mother Mary, what does she say? Why is this granted me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Are you understanding? Are you understanding? Both are going on the same journey along the same path to Judea in Jerusalem. Okay, now the same path that the ark took, this is Old Testament. Ark took in the old the time of David. The same path Mother Mary is also taking. She's already conceived in a womb. She's already three months pregnant. She's walking with the new ark. She's the new ark of the covenant, walking the same distance. And moment David sees the ark, he says, how can the ark of the Lord Come to me. The same way moment Elizabeth sees Mother Mary, what does she explain? She exclaims that, why is this granted me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Are you understand? And where does the ark stay for three months? In Obedion's house. And when he stayed in Obedion's house, Obedion's family completely flourished. And here Mother Mary, that is the ark of the new covenant, stays in Elizabeth's house. She also stays exactly for Three months. And when she says three months in Elizabeth's house, everything in Elizabeth's life, Elizabeth's life prospers. Are you getting it? And what happens, that is the most important thing is that when David is dancing in front of the ark, what is he wearing? He's wearing the priestly garment, an ephod. I thought about that uh, the high priest would wear a breastplate which would have the names of the 12 tribes with the 12 gems marked on it. It is only a Levite priest, a high priest who was given the authority to wear that. And David, when he goes to pick up that ark and bring it to his city, he is wearing this priestly garment and he's leaping with joy. And what happens to John the Baptist who is in Elizabeth's womb? Moment he sees Mother Mary, he leaps in the 
of his mother rejoicing at the at the ark that is coming carrying the messiah he sees the lord and he leaps with joy and who's joined and who's john the baptist he is from the priestly link of aaron and aaron is the main high priest the chief high priest is god is jesus the main high priest the first high priest who's anointed on earth is aaron so there are so many similarities between how david takes the ark and takes it from obedeom's house to his place the same journey is how mother mary carrying the ark the her womb with the conception of jesus in the womb is carrying the same journey and reaching house of elizabeth and after it is over now what does uh, david do with it it returns to jerusalem after his journey is over it returns to jerusalem and god's presence is always there in the ark in the same way mother mary also finishes a journey takes now jesus is born and takes him and presents him in the temple of jerusalem both of them thousands of years apart follow the same journey doing the same thing one is a one is a physical ark that is you know uh, contained the manna contained the priestly rod of aaron and the stone tablet with the 10 commandments in it and what mother mary was inside of it is a much similar significance it is that in in the ark of the old covenant it was inscribed in stone written in gold and in the mother mary's womb the word of god was in flesh there the word was written in stone here the word became flesh then there is the manna which was placed in the ark of the old covenant that is the manna is bread from heaven which gave people food to eat for so many years when they had you know gone and they had they in the desert and nothing to eat god gave them daily manna and in mary's womb is the bread of life who came down from heaven and gives us not food for a little time but he gives us food forever that is eternal life the same manna is jesus and there was a rod of aaron which budded which i told you which was there in the ark of the old covenant and in mary's womb is the true high priest that was the high priest who was first anointed on earth and she has jesus who is the actual high priest now saint gregory he says that mary is truly an ark gold within and gold without and she has received in her womb all the treasures of the sanctuary all the treasures of the sanctuary which was placed in the ark of the covenant she has received within her because she is the ark of the covenant now what happened to the ark of the covenant in the old testament what happens you go to maccabees chapter 2 verse 2 to 4 2 Maccabees chapter 2 to 4 If you have the you don't have a catholic version you won't find it Huh M S C C A B E S Shall I read it for you Okay 
There are seven books in our Bible which are not there in the Protestant Bible. Yes. Chapter 2 was... Four onwards. It was also in the same document that the prophet, having received an oracle, ordered that the tent and the ark should follow with him, and that he went out to the mountain where Moses had gone up and had seen the inheritance of God. Jeremiah came and found a cave dwelling, and he brought there the tent and the ark and the altar of incense. Then he sealed up the entrance. Some of those who followed him came up intending to mark the way, but could not find it. When Jeremiah learned of it, he rebuked them and declared, The place shall remain unknown until God gathers his people together again and shows his mercy. Then the Lord will disclose these things, and the glory of the Lord and the cloud will appear, as they were shown in the case of Moses. And as Solomon asked that the place should be specifically concentrated. Now what's happening is the Israelites are continuously rebelling against God. God has been sending prophets and kings and judges and so many people, but they are not listening to anybody. Ultimately, it's Jeremiah is speaking to the Israelites and say, change, change, change. They're not changing. So they follow through the process. God gives them a process of repentance. And the last part of the process is they will go into captivity. They will be taken over captive. So the Babylonians are going to come now and take these people captive. This is the time of Daniel. He's going to come and take them captive. So now when they're going to take captive, Jeremiah knows that the Ark of the Covenant will be, will be destroyed. They will burn it all up. So what does Jeremiah do? He goes, takes the Ark of the Covenant and he goes to Mount Nebo or Mount Pisgah. This is the same mount that Moses climbs up and he is shown the promised land. The same mountain, even Jeremiah goes there, he finds a cave and he takes all these things, the Ark of the Covenant and everything that is there along with it, the tabernacle and all, and he hides it inside the cave and completely shuts the entrance of it. People over there are trying to draw maps or something so that later on they would be able to go and trace the Ark of the Covenant. But he gets angry with them and he says, no, you will not keep any map or any direction for where this Ark has been, you know, hidden. It has to remain hidden till a time will come. And the time will come when? The time will come that he says, the place will remain unknown until God gathers his people together again and shows his mercy. Then the Lord will disclose these things and the glory of the Lord and the cloud will appear as they were shown in the case of Moses. Till the end of the time, that is till the book of Revelation, nobody will know where the Ark of the Covenant is. It is hidden by Jeremiah in a cave. And that cave is on Mount Nebo. That is the same mountain where Moses also climbed and Moses was shown the promised land but he does not enter into the promised land. And there's also that the same mountain where Moses died and God had buried Moses. This mount has great significance in the Bible. Mount Nebo or Mount Mizgah is the name. So for about 500 years, no one had a clue where this Ark of the Covenant is. Jeremiah has gone and hidden it. The Babylonians come, Daniel's time come, they completely burn everything down. They burn the entire temple down. 
but nobody has a clue where this where this ark of the covenant is later on the you know i will be teaching in detail is little i'm picking up patch 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 i will teach you the entire story in one stretch i'm giving you little patches now so that you get a little clue about it so the temple that later on that herod built which jesus walks into that is the second temple which herod built did not even have the ark of the covenant in but nobody knew that's why i said nobody knew people can see the structure he made the ark but there was nothing inside of it actually it was empty so that when there was that war the jewish roman war took place they had such a you know fierce battle a bloody battle thousands of people were killed and ultimately when the romans entered into the temple and they you know opened up to the ark of the covenant to see what was inside they were so amazed to see that it is empty and they were wondering why these people are fighting this kind of a battle and protecting an empty ark nothing is there inside of it but people had no clue because people were not allowed to even go near the ark of the covenant or touch it it was the job of only a few levites but this ark is hidden and kept in the mountain and after that there is no mention of the ark of the covenant anywhere until we come to revelation chapter 11 verse 19 where god's temple in heaven is open and the ark of the covenant is seen within his temple so there is you understood the ark of the covenant built by moses carried by joshua joshua loses one particular war the philistines take it they get into seven months of wrath then the it is brought back kept with david david gets into a fear mode then it is an obed obed Dion's house for three months. Then David brings it back, and now it is with them. And many years pass by. David dies. Solomon dies. There is a lot of kings will come. They all will die. And then you know, after the first uh, temple is destroyed by uh, by the Babylonians, before it's destroyed, Jeremiah will come and take this ark, and he will hide it in a cave. And the cave is Mount Nebo. Did you understand? So later on, there will be somebody else who builds the second temple, and that is the temple that Jesus enters and says, "I will destroy it in three days." And I can you you destroy this temple, I will build it in three days. Sorry, I spoke wrong. He says, "You destroy this temple, I will build it in three days." And that is the temple which gets destroyed in the first Jewish-Roman war. Too much of history, right? But if you do not know this history, you will not know anything. You cannot pick up the one scripture and read that without putting everything together. There is significance in this Ark of the Covenant. Now, after that, there is no mention about the Ark. After the Ark is hidden, there is no mention about in the Bible. Then you read the Ark only in the Book of Revelation. Now we'll go to chapter twelve, verse one. a great portent appeared in heaven a woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars now this portent is a sign what do you mean by the word portent a sign a sign appeared portent means a sign a sign appeared in heaven and this sign is mother mary she is the ark of the covenant revealed to god to john 
and she's seen bearing a child. Now, just listen to me. I will go in detail, verse by verse, a little later. But just listen to me. She's seen bearing a child, and she is who would rule the world with a rod of iron. So many people question: Is it actually Mother Mary? So they say it. It uh, it could represent this woman that they are saying here. Doesn't have to be actually a woman. It could represent Israel. like a country like if you say india bharat you all it's not a masculine gender it is a feminine gender for whatever reason anything that is given its name is a feminine gender like bharat is a feminine india is a feminine gender so that way they say israel could be the woman here so a, a woman clothed with the sun is israel clothed with the sun and some say that it's not a it's not a human being it's not a country it is the church it is the church so if you take it in any way you can say mother mary is also was an israelite so she is a jew so she is an israelite and the second is she is she is the mother of the church so even if you take it in in that kind of a thinking process still it comes down to that this woman is mother mary the woman is mother mary why because the beginning of genesis started with three important characters this particular chapter 12 has four important characters who are the four important characters mother mary there is jesus there is dragon or the beast and the fourth is an archangel michael these are four main characters in this chapter 12 so when you begin the begin the book of genesis you have three main the first man was adam the first woman was eve and the first evil was who the satan the the same serpent or satan and if you take the if you take the book of you know the end how does the end happen with a real man who is that the last adam and who is that that is jesus a real woman that is his mother mother mary and the enemy is the same the serpent of old or satan okay so all it was told in genesis 3:15 what was told that i will put enmity between you and the woman between you spring and hers he will strike your head and you will strike his heel this is a this is a chapter of uh, you know not talking line by line you will be taken in kind of a journey from old to new new to old so you have to you know understand this chapter in that particular manner it's not like how we were uh, reading chapter you know 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 till 11 like sequence of events were following in the same pattern here the sequence of events is something in the present something in the in the in the past and something which happened even much before the world was created and you need to take all of that and put together to understand this chapter it's not a very straightforward teaching but it requires a lot of understanding lot of scriptural knowledge to put it all together okay so i need your all your ears to listen to this i know you will be having little confusion little doubts about it not little you will be having many doubts about it but no problem just keep it with you and when we sit down we will after the session we can always go through it you know so where do you see mother mary most of the non catholics are saying mother mary has got no significance in the bible she is not even present in the bible so why are you speaking so much about her why are you calling her the ark of the covenant now i would like to show you some places where the mother is not where some the main places where mother mary is mentioned go to luke chapter 1 verse 
Yeah, you'll have to be a little quick in this Luke 128. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed okay. by his word. That is, Angel Gabriel is coming and greeting her as Hail Mary, full of grace. Now go to Luke one twenty nine. Next verse. But one twenty nine. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then go to Luke one thirty eight. She is Mother Mary in that. Yeah. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel yes. departed from her. Go to Matthew one twenty. This is uh, Luke one thirty eight. Is uh, Mother Mary saying, Behold, I am the... Handmaid of the Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. She is agreeing to everything that God has told her. I am your handmaid. Now go to Matthew one twenty. Here Joseph has got the message that she is pregnant with child and he wants to break the engagement and let her go. And on that day at night he gets a dream and in the dream what is told him? But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So you heard that the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now go to Luke 1, 41 to 43. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So you understand, the moment uh, Elizabeth sees the, Elizabeth sees Mother Mary, the baby in her womb leaps with joy. Then go to Luke one forty-eight. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. That's call me blessed is called Mother Mary blessed. Then go to Matthew 2 chapter 11. And going into the house they saw the child with Mary his mother and they fell down and worshipped him. That is the people, the Magi, the people who have gone to see Jesus after his birth. So they see the child with Mary his mother and they fall down and worship him. Now you go to Luke 2, chapter 34 to 35. Luke chapter 2, verse 34 to 35. Shall I read it? It will be a little faster. It's going, yeah. Okay, no problem. I'll read it. Luke 2, chapter 34 to 35. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and a sword will pierce your 
own soul also i said when the when mother mary goes and presents the child in the temple there simeon comes and simeon blesses and says what this child is said fall and for the rising of many in israel and a sword will pierce your own soul then luke 2:46 to 49 jesus is lost and found in the temple and when they saw him they were astonished they they means mother mary and joseph luke 2:46 to 49 and his mother said to him that is mother mary saying to jesus son why have you treated us so behold your father and i have been looking for you anxiously now luke chapter 2 verse 19 mary kept all these things pondering them in her heart then john 2 verse 3 to 10 here we have the first miracle and what does mother mary say to the servants do whatever he tells you to do then we have the 12th verse matthew 12:46 While he was still speaking to the people behold his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him and what does jesus say they tell him that your mother and your and your brothers are waiting outside and he what does he reply anyone who does my work is my mother and my brother and then we go to john 19:25-27 this is the last time mother mary is mentioned in the bible john 19 verse 25 227 this is the scene at the foot of the cross and jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved who is that john standing near he said to his mother woman sorry woman behold your son then he said to the disciple behold your mother what does he say woman behold your son to whom to john and to john what does he say behold your mother now just a point to remember jesus has not broken a single law he has not broken any law in from the old testament he says i have come not to break but to fulfill all the laws if a person is you know a person is going to die or something he has to hand over his mother to somebody else he will give to his own brother no brothers he would give to his own sister that is the that is the custom so if Jesus at the point of his death at the foot of the cross is handing over mother to whom not to his own brother or sister he is giving to his best friend John that means he had no other brother or sister if he had you know done this given his mother the responsibility to his friend he would be breaking the jewish law and jesus never broke any single law so this proves that jesus did not have any other own sibling no other brother no other sister he had cousins and at that time for cousins also you call them as brothers and sisters and this is the perpetual virginity of mother mary that the catholic church propagates about which finds scriptural basis in this particular act of jesus that at the foot of the cross he hands his mother over to his best friend because he did not have a own sibling of his i understanding so that was the law of them and i'm sorry that was not the last time mother mary is mentioned last time mother mary is mentioned is in the book of acts as that is acts 1 chapter 13 to 14 everyone in the upper room together with women and mary the mother of jesus and with his brothers here is also brothers doesn't mean his own blood brothers but his cousins and friends so they're all called so this is the last time 
mother is mentioned in the entire book after that you have no mention of mother mary so what happened to her where did she go where has she landed up what is she doing is there nothing that we have knowledge about what do what do we make about all this so we'll just take a short break and then we will come back we'll have a little cup of tea so that you all get brightened up i can see half of your faces get brightened up and come back fast in 10 minutes and then i will tell the story of mother mary after it like you know from the, what happened after the acts after the day after the time of pentecost what happens to life of mother mary yes is gone so okay uh, before we left the last session i was talking about that we see mother mary mentioned i gave you some 14 scriptures where mother mary is mentioned and the last was this on uh, she was seen as in the upper room where she is with the apostles and the is a scene of the pentecost which happens over there after that you have no mention of mother mary at all so what happened to her we receive you know this informations are not placed in the bible there are no scriptural references for this but all this is written in credible ancient traditions they have written everything about you know what happened at that particular time which of the apostles went where where they ministered where mother mary lived with whom she lived what happened to her till when so based on those traditions what happened was after uh, jesus's death the jews started persecuting the christians and the first person who was martyred was john's brother james james was you know he was executed by the sword and after he was executed then peter was imprisoned peter is the 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 leader the one he is the who according to the church he is the first pope for us he was imprisoned and put into prison and the apostles start running away from jerusalem one by one because the jews are all behind them they are trying to kill them and mother mary also was one of the targets to be killed because they don't they wanted this entire christianity to be completely you know once jesus is dead now after his resurrection many people have become christians and the apostles have started preaching the gospel peter preached how many people changed 3000 gave their life at one time everybody is speaking with so much of conviction this people who were so timid now suddenly have become so powerful no fear and they going and just proclaiming about this jesus who died for you who's resurrected and he's the only true god so this people are jewish people are so scared and they just want to completely you know annihilate means kill in total everyone who's associated with christ so at that time mother mary is with john so john takes mother mary and they go to this place called as ephesus which is present day turkey and he goes with her there and this happens sometimes around you know 43 to 44 ad they run there what is ad anna domino which means after the birth of christ which actually means ad means anna domino it means after the birth of christ everything starts after the birth of christ everything bc is before christ ad is after the birth of christ not death of christ after the birth of christ it's called anna domino so from there it starts so around 43 to 44 ad is the time that mother mary and john they go to ephesus in an ephesus john is speaking the gospel he's speaking to everyone and mother mary is there with him and what happens to how does mother mary's end come it comes around approximately somewhere between 66 and a half ad now how did i come to that conclusion 
For that also the scriptural basis is there in Revelation 12.1. But I will just give you certain ideas because there are writings of that she was interviewed by St. Luke. Luke has interviewed Mother Mary. He's gone to Ephesus. He sat there, spoke to her, took down, uh, took down all her details of how, you know, was it how her life was, then how did she conceive, how, what happened with Jesus. All those details was taken by St. Luke and that is somewhere around 60 AD. And at that particular point of time, there are a lot of biblical references, a lot of pictures showing Mother Mary there present with all the apostles leaving James. James was already martyred. He was killed before even they left Jerusalem. So she is over there. And after that, around 60 AD, she comes back from Ephesus back to Jerusalem. She goes back to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, the second temple is going to get destroyed. The second temple is going to get destroyed. That is the first Jewish-Roman war that takes place. This is all proof. There is all uh, what histo historical proof, geographical proof. There is your, you have these wars written in history. You people read about it. Everything is documented about that war. Now this war took place over a seven period of seven years. A period of seven years of tribulation. The seven years of tribulation, what took place will be the same thing which will be enacted when the Antichrist will come at the end. That also will be a seven year of tribulation. And exactly at the center of it, suppose this was 66 AD to 73 AD was the time that the first Jewish-Roman war took place. Mother Mary is there. And that time, this Romans have come and have captured Jews. The temple is there. Now they are going to desecrate the temple. They are going to place the abomination of desolation right at the center of this seven-year period. So seven-year period, if you divide into two, it becomes how much? Three and a half years? Three and a half years. Bang in the center is what? Exactly in between. So you take 66 and you take 73. What comes in between? 70 comes in between. Three and a half, three and a half. So 70 AD is the time where the, where the temple will get destroyed. So before that, she is assumed into heaven. Now, how do I say she is assumed into heaven? Now, there are two things that the church teaches us. One is a doctrine and one is a dogma. One is a doctrine of the church. One is called the dogma of the church. Now, what does a doctrine mean? Doctrine is all church teachings in matters of faith and morale. Is teaching about your trinity, the virgin birth, the transubstantiation means how the how the bread becomes into real body of Christ. All these are doctrines. That is the, all church teachings is called as a doctrine. Now what is a dogma? It is more narrowly defined as that part of the doctrine which has been divinely revealed. It is that part of the doctrine for which somebody has got a divine revelation of which and which the church has formally defined and declared to be believed as revealed. Means the church has said there is no questioning a doctrine. It is that part of the, there is no questioning a dogma. It is that part of a doctrine for which people have got divine revelation about it. So the assumption of Mother Mary is the dogma of the church. Now what actually happened was what? What they, how we can just come to that kind of conclusion? I can't just say something without, you know, giving you any substance or matter for it. Now one of the scriptures that speaks about assumption is Psalm 132 verse 8. 
Psalm 132, verse 8. Rise up, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. So it is telling, rise up, O Lord, means who is the Lord? Jesus. And go to your resting, resting place. place, that is in heaven. You and the ark, ark of, your might. of your might. It is not talking about the physical ark of the covenant which is hidden in by Jeremiah. It is talking about, you go, rise up, and along with you, you are also going to take the ark. That is, you are going to take your mother with you. She is also going to assume into heaven. Now, there is a uh, talk about how did Mother Mary die. It is not a death. It is called as falling asleep and then assumption. Means just like how Jesus did. Je no one could take Jesus' life. He gave up his spirit. When he was standing on the, whatever people might have done against him, they might have butchered him, they would have torn him apart. But no one can kill him. He's the son of God. He's God himself. So what he does, he gives up his spirit and goes to death. So the dogma of the church is that that at the time of her death, when she was going to die, when she knew she is going to leave this earth. Die means not that she's lying in bed, sick, and then she's going to die one particular day. But now her end has come. She has to go into heaven because she has to intercede for the people here on earth. At that particular time, when the time is chosen for her, Jesus asks her, how are you going to, what do you want to do, ma? There are pictures you can go and refer these are called as the forgotten books of Eden. These are the lost books of the Bible. They are Proto-Evangelium of James. And they are extra-biblical writings. These are all documented writings which have been studied in detail by all church elders. And after a lot of research and lot of documentation with proof, the church does not just take, okay, a miracle has taken place, suppose now. We see miracles taking place very regularly. We say, my leg grew, my hand grew, or my tumor has disappeared. It happens on a daily basis in meetings. It's part of a, a Christian's life. You have to walk in authority. He says, when you walk, signs and wonders will follow you. So all these miracles and whatever the happenings are, when they go to the, uh, you know, to the Vatican or go to the Rome, it, they don't declare it immediately. It takes them a lot of research. It takes them years of study. And unless it's proved, they will not release it as a miracle that took place. It, it, it is like deep, intense study. It is just not, okay, I saw in my vision, I slept and I got up and Jesus revealed it to me and now, okay, the church you accepted. It is not like that. It is, so many people would have got the same revelation. So many people have to discuss about it. The, the, all the elders of the church, the cardinals, the, the, those who know the law, those who know the, uh, the Bible in Hebrew, in Greek, in Aramaic, in everything. They know the ins of all the laws that are put over there. They all come discuss and they have to get a revelation from God. Yes, this is it. So it is years, not one or two years, many years, hundreds and 200 years of studies and researches which has come down to this point of how did Mother Mary, how was the last time? So she says, like you, how you went to heaven, I want. So it was granted to Mother Mary. So at that uh, time in her room, all the disciples came. Except whom? James was dead. Except whom? Except Thomas. Yes, except Thomas. Thomas was not there. He couldn't come. 
so she is there in the uh, in the it is pictured is depicted that she is lying down and she has all the disciples of jesus beside her leaving james james is killed and thomas is not there then she you know looks up to them and she just goes down she closes her eyes moment she closes her eyes her body is just lifted up and jesus himself takes her and assumes her into heaven this is the dogma of the church now what happened thomas what did he do when jesus comes what does he say unless i touch his wounds and i see with my eyes i will not believe the same time it happens with mother mary when he gets the news that okay he is not present there all the other apostles are there so how am i going to accept it he comes there he is so with the permission and they go and open the tomb of mother mary and there is no body there there is no body over there this is documented videographed proved by the elders of the church it is not something which took place in the dark of the night or which is one or two people saw it was taken like you know people in procession went to see what happens mother mary's body was taken in a procession and it was also put into a tomb the tomb still exists in israel those who want to go they say the tomb is there there is a place i have written that down i will tell you what is that place called i am sorry and i'll get you i'll let you know the place where she right it is in uh, yeah it is in the kidron valley at the foot of mount olives in jerusalem her tomb is still present just the tomb but that is empty because when they opened it after thomas came the tomb was empty so she was taken spirit soul and body right up into heaven you know and the bishop one bishop theotikos of livas he delivered one of the most beautiful sermon concerning assumption his bishop theotikos he is from a place called livas and he delivered this very beautiful sermon concerning assumption and i will quote him he said for christ took his immaculate flesh from the immaculate flesh of mary and if he had prepared a place in heaven for the apostles how much more for his mother if enoch had been translated and elijah had gone to heaven how much more mary who like the moon in the midst of the stars shines forth and excels among the prophets and the apostles means he's talking about this assumption of mother mary why why is it not possible if you could take enoch into heaven like that if you could take elijah into heaven and there are people who have you know done some mistake some crime but this mother mary was immaculate conception the womb which carried the son of jesus how much more would be the the plan for his mother would he allow this mother's body to decay in a tomb would he allow it to become like any other normal human being follow the course of nature no he has assumed her into heaven and psalm 132:8 is the scripture of assumption so she died so in the presence of all these people is what happened and actually when they were carrying the uh, body of uh, mother mary you know in a in a procession the entire town was there people from all the neighboring villages everywhere they came you know and they were throwing this white cloth upon it and that was so miraculous people have been delivered healed you know so many miracles took place just the distance from the house to the graveyard just by carrying the 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 uh what do you call that carrying the 
no no what do you call the coffin carrying the coffin at that particular time so many miracles took place all which are documented and written in the early books of the tradition so she was assumed into heaven did you understand so now we'll come to chapter 12 verse 1 again i will start from 12 verse 1 yeah yes read one a great potent appeared in heaven a woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars so okay i told you what does the word potent mean it's a sign it's a sign and a great potent appeared in heaven and that is about a woman you what do you see a woman and jesus calls his mother woman where he calls her first time at cana of galilee woman this is not my time that is right and again he calls her woman where at the foot of the cross women behold your son so this is not the picture of an earthly woman but that of a cosmic apocalyptical one it is called this is not a person you see on earth because what does she have she is clothed with the sun clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12, 12 stars. stars so i told you if anyone is in heaven the aura of heaven is around you I told you the heaven, the house, the heaven. It is like God the Father, the elders, the throne room. Then you have the people, and you have the four living creatures, and you have the sun. And the face of God is like a thousand sun. It's so bright. So if anyone goes into that presence, you carry back the aura of that presence. So she is in the presence of God in His right hand, in the right hand of Jesus. Who is in the right hand of God? The Father is Jesus, and in the right hand of Jesus is Mother Mary. So she is in the presence. of the holy of holies in them so the aura of that is within her so she looks like she is clothed with the sun as though she is wearing the sun she is so bright it means she is so bright and she has a moon under her feet now what is this moon means she is standing between those two places she is standing in heaven there's a moon and there's a earth below and her feet is resting upon the moon now aristotle at the time you know he has Uh, come to this conclusion that he says the moon stands as a barrier between the heavenly realm and the earthly realm so because everything that is below the moon which is below the moon them go in a proper circular motion around the you know sun and there is no decay there is no death everything is perfect above the moon but below the moon the earthly part all this decay death waxing waning no all these things takes place below the moon so when you place mother mary like her leg is upon the moon and she's standing there it means now she is queen of things you know below the earth as well as above the earth she becomes the queen mother she becomes the queen mother now there is no concept of queen mother anywhere that we have to have read in the bible we only talk about god the father god the son god the holy spirit so where is this concept of queen mother now come for this every scripture there is something that has been written in the old testament nothing comes nothing nothing comes just like that there is a concept of queen mother you have to go to 1 kings chapter 2 verse 19 there's a prefiguring of this happening in king solomon's life now after david dies who is the king solomon is but solomon is not supposed to be the king his older brother called as adonai is supposed to become the king but solomon becomes the king because david likes him and the throne goes to solomon 
1 Kings 2 verse 19 So Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him on behalf of Adonai the king rose to met, meet her and bow down to her and then he sat on his throne and had a throne brought for the king's mother and she sat on his right okay so now it's never happened in history of israel also that a woman has been given so much of significance women do not enter into the presence of the king you know they would have to speak to the king it would be in their personal matter like that's why esther also was so scared to go and meet the king no one was just you okay you can just go meet the king you might be his wife but you can't just go into his presence unless he says i need to talk to you i need to meet you or i am giving you permission to meet me so no woman could go and meet the king now who's the king after david it is solomon solomon is sitting in his relationship with bathsheba and they have solomon so bathsheba like this i don't know he goes to bathsheba and tells that can you recommend a case a present a case of mine to solomon so bathsheba is taking the case of adonai it's a stepson and she goes to king now what does the king do the king signifies the same kingdom what's happening in the kingdom of israel the kingdom the king of israel stands up to greet his mother and then he does something else he gets a bows down before her the king is bowing down before his mother and then he gets a chair and places it next to him on his right side and from that time on bathsheba would sit next to solomon and she would take part in the affairs of the kingdom she becomes the queen mother she becomes the queen mother in the same way in the heavenly realm now jesus has taken up his mother into heaven and he's placed her on his right side and she becomes the queen mother for all of heaven and all of earth so you understanding so what is it now what she has a great portent appeared in heaven a woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars now the 12 stars stands for 12 disciples of the new testament or the 12 tribes of israel any one of them so she, to say that she has got queenship over the old testament as well as queenship over the new testament so she is queen of the entire gospel right from the old to the new and that crown is placed upon her head so she is the queen mother and then what is the second verse she was pregnant and she was crying out in birth pangs in the agony of giving birth okay now she is they show her that she is pregnant and she is crying out i told you this chapter this verse does not follow verse by verse this you have to understand as a whole because it is something which is taking place now something which has happened in the past something which has happened even before the world was created you have to take it all together and put it together then only you will be able to understand she was pregnant and was crying out in birth pangs in the agony of giving birth now mother mary is pregnant with jesus there is no doubt about that we all know that but she never had labor pains how can she have labor pains she will not have labor pains because she did not have original sin inside of her at all she was conceived immaculate so she is conceived by the holy spirit she doesn't have this sin inside of her because she has no sin inside of her she does not have to suffer the wages of sin the wages of sin is pain and difficulty and disease and all those things 
because original sin itself is not inside of her there is no way that she would have any labor pain so what is this pain that they are talking about they are talking about that she was crying out in birth pangs in the agony of giving birth now how do you tell that you know that uh, uh, she was uh, conceived in uh, in an immaculate manner her mother is sent and her father is jokim and they're pretty old now she's around 50 years of age and sentan is 15 years of age and they don't have any children and she always goes to the temple and she cries in the temple sentan goes to the temple and she's crying give me a child give me a child please lord every the uh, like uh, the proper jew they go to the temple and give the petition in the temple she goes and gives a petition and this time she goes and gives a petition and she says if you give me a child i will give that child back to you means i'm giving the child back to you at that time when she's come back comes back home a white light enters into her and she conceives and she gives birth to mother mary so they say that light which entered her is the holy spirit so her conception of mother mary also was without any seed of a human being she was also conceived by the holy spirit so mother mary's conception itself was so holy and she also conceives a child without any human intervention it is through the holy spirit the child is so holy that means god had to do so much of you know you know he had to work on so many things to bring a pure absolutely no human is intervention in the birth of the child it had to be only through the power of the holy spirit so not only her birth is immaculate even her mother's birth is immaculate now you can read all this in the books of maria valtota all you know all uh, the details from the time that saint anne and jochim get married from that time their entire story everything is written in that so now why you will say why is not written in the bible many of the things are not written in the bible because it's impossible to write because what does john tell at the end of his end of his uh, you know the gospel what does he say that there are many things that jesus did if every one of them were written down i suppose that the whole world itself could not contain the books that could be written but that does not make that they, they didn't happen they all happened only thing is they are not mentioned in the bible because it's impossible this many pages are the 1000 how many pages 1000 3407 in my bible 1422 in my bible that's all 1422 pages in my bible could it contain the entire story of everybody and everything that jesus did jesus is only that you know 33 years of his life in the four gospels imagine is that all that jesus did all the miracles as he did multiple things that no one can count and if people write them he says there is the world will not contain that they never happened we cannot say that only the thing that is here mentioned here i will go by it if it is not mentioned here it is not there at all we cannot contend we need to expand our open up our hearts to receive christ we have to let you know all this junk which has stayed in the heart all the negative thoughts that you have about mother mary or all the negative things that you have put inside is a time to remove all that and receive what god is giving and they can go back and check this books read this books and the best person to ask is the holy spirit whether i am reading what i am reading or whether i am hearing what i am hearing is it from god or not if it is not from god then that is your decision but 100% i tell you whatever is being spoken here is being spoken 
under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. What he taught, I'm telling you. Now, why did she cry? Now, why did she cry? She's crying at birth. I told her she will not have any labor pain. But she's still crying, giving birth in labor pain. Her cry is not for physical labor or birth of her son, Jesus. Her cry is for the birth of a pain of spiritual labor. At the time that Jesus would die and that would birth the new church. The pain that Jesus is going through at his, at his passion and the pain that he is going through because he had to die that horrible death so that he would birth a new church. He would birth us. He would birth each and every one of us. So for that she is crying that my son has to go through so much of pain. So much of agony he has to go through so that the church would be born. You would be born. You would be born. I would be born. And because of what her son has done, all of us would go into eternal life. That spiritual labor is what she is crying for. Not for any physical labor of the physical pain, that you, labor pain that you get, not for that. But this is a spiritual labor to give birth to the new church. Yes, then another potent appeared in heaven. Then another potent appeared in heaven. A great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. So this another potent means another sign. Now you saw one sign. You saw Mother Mary one sign. Now John is seeing. He sees one sign of Mother Mary. Now he sees another sign has appeared. And this sign, what do you, what do you see? Do you see a great red dragon. Now who is the great red dragon? Satan. It's a great red dragon is Satan. And this Satan has seven heads but ten horns. He has got seven heads. If you count heads and the horns, he's got ten horns. And there are seven diadems. Diadems are what? Crowns. There are seven diadems on his head. Now this in detail I will be teaching you in the next chapter, Revelation 13. But you can see this, the seven heads and all have been written in Daniel's vision. In Daniel's vision of the beast in chapter 7, you have, uh, you know, one beast with the face of a lion, one beast with a uh, with the face of a bear, then there is a leopard which has got four heads. Four heads. And the last is a Roman beast. So how many are there? Seven. So one is a lion, one is a bear, four leopard, and one Roman beast. And that Roman beast, you no, know, there you have, it shows has got ten horns. I uh, taught you when I was teaching Daniel about the vision he got about a man who's standing, head, hands, trunk, and limbs. The head was Babylon, all forgotten. The arms and the chest was Medes and Persia, then the Greek, and the last was the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire comes down with ten toes. That's not ten kingdoms will come in that. And out of the ten, one horn will be bigger, he will defeat three kingdoms, and it will become seven. So one will rise up, one kingdom will rise up and defeat three kingdoms and now the ten will become seven. So all this, uh, these are the pagan kingdoms. Uh, in detail I will teach you in chapter 13. But this is similar to the vision of Daniel in chapter 7. Then what we see in verse 4. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Then the dragon stood before the woman who was about to bear a child so that he might devour her child as soon as it was born. So what do you see now? The tail of the, of the dragon is sweeping one third of the stars in heaven and threw them to the earth. Then the dragon is standing before the woman who was about to bear a child so that he might devour her child as soon as it was born. 
now you see you know what are this how do you understand this and why do they appear and what are this significance about all this the most beautiful explanation i found from the franciscan tradition which gives a beautiful insight into this particular thing that is taking place over here about the about the dragon and about the stars and about the mother mary now just imagine when god created the angels he created the angels the cherubims the seraphims the archangels and the angels he put them to the test he put them like how when he created adam and eve he put them to the test what did he tell them he showed them the sign of a woman clothed with the sun about to give birth and a child is born and he asks the angels that like you worship me can you also worship this child like how you worship me can you also worship this child so everybody is looking at jesus at god the father many of the angels said yes but lucifer at that point is a mighty the mightiest of all the most beautiful of all and he says i have to bow down and worship through this small funny looking creature who's got hands and legs and hair in his body and looks totally help, helpless so funny looking animal like can walk and crawl and all alone he takes one third of his angels and he rebels against god the father and how that is what one third of his angels along with him there is a war in heaven and you know the michael goes in war with him and he and one third of the angels are thrown down from heaven now he loses the authority that which he had so that's why you remember you see when the garden of eden where there is adam present there is eve present all the animals are present all the birds are present all the you know fishes are present everything is there the moment uh, satan enters into the garden of eden whom does he see first his eyes goes to whom he goes to the eve why because eve reminds him of the portent of the sign that god showed him he does not go behind adam he could have enticed adam also he does not go behind adam he goes straight for eve moment he sees this woman he says okay this is the woman and it is her child who is the who is the cause for my downfall so i need to get her away from god are you understanding so he is instantly goes and attacks eve he is not bothered about all the fruits about all the animals all created by god he does not go behind any of the things because he remembers this potent the sign that was shown to him and then he sees that what was jesus said in genesis he said the seed her seed will crush your head so he does not want the seed that is the child of eve to defeat him so he instead goes behind eve and moment you know he realizes eve is already plan already he had a new eve in his vision and this new eve will bring forth uh, the new adam and that new adam will not do any sin he will be spotless and he will do everything according to the word of god and that jesus is going to crush his head so what does he do moment you know so what he says his uh, his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and he threw them to the earth that you understood how they have fallen down from heaven then the dragon stood before the woman who was about to bear a child this is not the eve of genesis this is the eve of the new testament or the ark of the covenant or mother mary stands before her who was about to bear a child so that he might devour her child as soon as it is born because the moment jesus was born 
there were so many plans to kill him king herod passed a, uh, a rule he says that you know kill all male children below 2 years of age and after that so many times you know they are trying to kill him he is in in between so many people and the people you know uh, he speaks uh, to them people get angry and they are all running to kill him and between in the presence of all the people he just disappears jesus just disappears and even when he is going up to the cross when he is going on to the cross he is in the garden of gethsemane there also the devil is trying to derail him from his task but ultimately he thinks okay now he is hung on the cross now he is dead now i have won the victory now the battle is mine even now i have won the victory little did he know that god would resurrect jesus from the dead and once he is resurrected from the dead he would have purchased or ransomed all of us and the key now which was given to from adam which went to satan now jesus by perfect death has taken the key away from him and now that key is given back to god god and people are reconciled long story but did you understand yeah so did you understand so now what happens okay and so she gave birth to a son a male child that is jesus who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron jesus is going to rule the nation with a rod of iron that scripture is in psalm 2 verse 7 to 9 in that it says you are my son today i have begotten you ask of me and i will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession you shall break them with a rod of iron so jesus is going to rule with a rod of iron when he comes as the resurrected jesus till then he was a good jesus loving jesus forgiving jesus but once he comes as a resurrected jesus he is going to rule with a rod of iron this is talking about jesus i'll go to verse 6 and the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by god so that there she can be nourished for 1260 days okay so now this woman goes into a wilderness where she has a place prepared for her where she can be nourished for 1260 days the same scripture that is chapter 12 6 you will see again in chapter 12 verse 14 read 14 verse 14 but the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she could fly from the serpent into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time so the same scripture of 6 is again in 14 so when it comes to 14 i will explain it that time okay it's the same scripture i'll explain it there go to verse 7 a war broke out in heaven Michael and his angels fought against the dragon the dragon and his angels fought back but they were defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven the great dragon was thrown down and and that ancient serpent who is called the devil and satan the deceiver of the whole world he was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him okay now war broke out in heaven after the this is after jesus's after jesus's uh, assumption into heaven its resurrection is over is after his resurrection there is war breaks out in heaven why because now michael and his angel they fight against dra- the dragon now 
the dragon knows he is defeated. Now this is final battle over. All that he was hoping and putting his hope on. Now everything is over. Now he cannot do anything. Because Jesus has won the battle. And so Michael is so enthusiastic. And he says now let me just destroy the dragon. Let me kill him. So it's finished for him. So because what had happened at that point of time. Though he had been thrown down. He had free access to heaven. The dragon was thrown down but he could go. You know, he meets up with God. He talks to him for Job, for every people. He would go and, you know, for the souls of the people that you are, you know, he'll go and complain. Things are going wrong. He will go and complain to God. You're talking about her. No, I know. I'll tell you the true side of her. She's this, she's this, or he's this, or he's that. He's constantly criticizing, putting all the false reports to God. That means he was given authority to roam freely in the second heaven. Not to the third heaven, but he could go to the first and second heaven on the earth, under the earth, everywhere he had access. So now Michael, no, he says now he's defeated. Now he's not coming to heaven. No chance. Don't let him come into heaven. So let him kill him once and for all and throw him away from, throw him completely from heaven. So what happens? That is there is a war. So he, that is uh, Archangel Michael and his angels, they will go into war with Satan and his angels. Now the war between Satan and his angels are not the one-third of the angels. The one-third of the angels have been thrown into the bottomless pit. So who are these other angels now? Now this, in Satan or the devil is such a vile creature that he, in his time of going up, down, going everywhere, he's been able to even corrupt some of God's own angels. Some of the other angels, they are not the one-third angels, some of the other angels also he's been able to corrupt them. And he's you know, put negative seed inside of them. And these are the bad angels who come down, move between earth and heaven, carry all the bad deeds. Like you have the good angels who take all the good deeds and give it to God the Father. These are the bad angels who take every negative thought, deed, action and they present it before God. So these are the bad angels that the, you know, Satan was able to corrupt apart from the one-third of the angels. And so the war happens between them and what happens, the great dragon was thrown down and the ancient serpent, who is called the devil, and the dragon, ancient serpent, devil, Satan, deceiver of the whole world. Five names are given to him. All are the same person. He's the, he was thrown down. So now you know, all these are named for one person. Otherwise, they, he would have said, they were thrown down. He said, he was thrown down. So he means all name of the single person and along with him his angels also means all the bad angels also were thrown down with him to the earth verse 10 then i heard a loud voice in heaven proclaiming now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our god and the authority of his messiah for the accuser of our comrades has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. So moment uh, he's thrown down from heaven, there's complete rejoicing taking place in heaven. They are so happy. They're saying now salvation has come, power has come, and our kingdom of a God has come. Because why? Who's to constantly accuse our comrades? Comrades means all of us who are on earth. The Satan is to go constantly accusing about us, telling bad about us to God the Father. He has been defeated. Now no one is going to accuse. And Jesus has paid the price for everyone. So everybody is rejoicing. It's a time of rejoicing in heaven. That is what they see. And verse 12. Rejoice. Verse 11. But they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb 
and by the word of their testimony so these are the scripture we constantly say no how do we conquer evil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of my testimony what is my testimony is my witnessing christ when i share what god has done for me in my life i become a testimony so these are the two ways you conquer the world by the blood of the lamb you have to believe in the finished work of jesus and the second is you stand and testify so testimony or sharing is so very crucial okay now verse 12 rejoice then you heavens and those who dwell in them but woe to the earth and the sea for the devil has come down to you with great wrath because he knows that his time is short so now they are talking in heaven the loud voice in heaven is proclaiming that heaven you can rejoice very be happy because the devil or the deceiver has been thrown down to earth but he says woe woe to the earth and to the sea because he has come down to you and he has come down now with a vengeance because now his time limit is very very short in that little short period that he has been given to him he has to take as many people as he can away from god's kingdom so he's come down with a wrath this time with a very limited time to do his work so he says woe to the earth and to the sea are you understanding yes this is not very difficult now come to verse 13 so when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child so now when he the dragon is now you know thrown down to the earth his main focus is now he has to destroy this woman who has given birth to the male child means destroy mother mary who has given birth to the male child i told you it doesn't fall in sequence these are all signs or portents different different like you go and you see a movie and in the movie before the movie starts you have different advertisements coming now the advertisements that you see in a movie are totally unconnected with each other but this is not like that these are different scenes which look unconnected to us when we look at a natural realm but each of them fall into a total understanding like they are linked to each other but do not naturally flow next to each other they do not flow in the same pattern so you have to understand as a whole concept so what is happening over here is that now his focus is upon mother mary who was given birth to the male child and the male child is jesus now we come to the main scripture of this entire book and that is verse 14 but the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she could fly from the serpent into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time so this woman was given two wings of a great eagle so that she could fly from the serpent into the wilderness into a place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time so i will teach the times and then you will understand where she is flying okay if you understand where she is reaching you will understand her journey where she is flown to now what time means is equal to one year a time is equal to one year so times will be two years and what will be half a time half a year so one a time is one year times is two years half a time is half year so you add one plus 2 plus half it becomes 3 and a half years now when you read verse 6 what did you read over there and the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by god so that she could be nourished for 1260 days 
1260 days now how the uh, in the solar calendar how it was calculated a year would have 360 days we have 365 days to calculate as one year is 360 days so three years will be how much 1080 days i have made the calculation so three years will be 1080 days half a year is 180 days so you add all of them it comes to the same number 1260 days that means for a period of three and a half years it's a period of three and a half years that mother mary is protected and nourished and kept safe from the evil one this has two significance one the time that mother mary was alive or not and the second is when the world will also get destroyed i told you keep that seven year period in your head the seven year is divided exactly into half three and a half years plus three and a half years this is also exactly that same kind of story which takes place in the life of mother mary and which will also be at the time of the end of times okay after the mother mary was you know she faced great persecution she goes into ephesus i spoke all about that and at uh, um with john she goes into ephesus no i have spoken all about that and then okay before i okay sorry huh? don't want to confuse you okay think straight thank you lord that you make it very easy to understand okay before going to any of this understanding about this three and a half years you will have to understand about the god's temple how it was made and what was the significance of god's temple and the significance of numbers based on those temples because everything is surrounding god's temple the first temple was constructed by whom by solomon and it was given a detailed instruction was given to him by you know god had given the detail to david through prophet nathan and told nathan, uh, nathan that this is this is how he has to build but david you know committed a mistake fell away from grace so god says you will not build the temple your son solomon is going to now build the temple so solomon when he is in the fourth year of his reign he starts constructing this temple and he you know where does he build this temple he builds it the site that he is chosen to build this temple is at the top of mount moriah and this is the place where abraham had taken his son isaac to give as a sacrifice so he has chosen mount moriah as the site to build this first temple of the first temple of god this first temple is at mount moriah and tens and thousands of people they worked day and night and for this gigantic undertaking and it took them 7 years to complete this entire structure and that is 966 bc before the birth of christ this temple was built and he dedicated the temple and all its contents and you know he bought the ark and the covenant and placed inside of it and they had a festival that lasted for 7 days now king solomon was one of the most the you know the richest the most grand what you can say grandeur and everything in his in his kingdom that was beyond any human conception now like if you think of anything rich or anything great they always you can go and compare with how king solomon was and that is you have to go to you know uh, he his uh, Uh, scripture is true chronicles chapter 9 verse 13 to 28 i won't go there but you just write it you know just note it down go back and read about the you know the grandeur of his uh, capital you know he he had golden thrones you know he had all the vessels in his kingdom was made of gold silver was as common as as stone 
silver was as common as stone he had 4000 stalls for his horses and he had chariots and he had more than 12000 horses so he was the you know god blessed him with everything everything that was required for a king there's no one that you can talk about as the greatest in wisdom and knowledge and every everything that he possessed also was all you know the deepest and he also was given the thing to make the first temple of god but then what happens to him towards the later years of his life he falls away from god he does everything that is not supposed to do he has how many he had 700 wives and then he had 300 concubines too that 700 wives was not enough for him he had plus 300 concubines thousand women at his lust greed power it you know enters you see once it is given to you freely you i think so after a point of time you start thinking i am god i can do anything the god had given him the blessing that blessing instead of thanking the blesser now that blessing has put in so much of pride inside of him that he does so many mistakes one after the other forget the concubines forget the wives now he's built temples for other gods the first thing he is the one who built the main temple for god he was given that authority nobody was given his father was not given solomon was given that right but now since its later years he becomes corrupt that he marries so many wives no so when he marries those wives, 60 years of age he dies he doesn't live a long life and god says your kingdom will be punished you will be punished till that time 40 years of saul 40 years of david 40 years of solomon the entire kingdom of israel was one kingdom they ruled 40 years each they ruled 40 years each and they were all united one kingdom of israel but the moment solomon has now done such atrocities god you know comes against solomon and he divides the kingdom into two the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom northern 10 kingdoms southern two kingdoms i have taught in detail when i was teaching you revelation chapter 7 i thought so you can go back to that and if you have any doubts go back there everything i have taught over there so this uh, i'm sorry yeah so two are the only the judea the judea that is the jews and the benjaminites and a few levites so what happens this entire the northern kingdom they are in constant war with so many people god is angry he is divided and he is destroying all of them they are completely destroyed that you will not even see any mention of them anywhere in the new testament there's no mention there's no no remnant remaining of those tribes they married intermarried they get killed they go all this so 10 kingdoms there is no news about them what about this other two kingdom now these two kingdoms are also constantly doing wrong they are also falling they are sinning they are you know corrupting and god is sending prophets after prophets after prophets to speak to them prophet zechariah goes to tell them that admonish them and say you people are doing wrong you are the chosen people israelites you are the chosen people god chose you change change and what they do to zechariah they kill him where in the courtyard of the temple you read that in matthew 23 35 what he said jesus spoke about this in matthew 23 35 he says so that upon you upon you means upon the israelites may come all the righteous blood shed on earth from the blood of righteous abel to the blood of zechariah whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar so right from abel's blood 
till zakaria's blood they are all crying for vengeance because of whom because of the israelites and at that particular point they are the jews so both the northern and southern kingdoms they are constantly at war and the northern kingdom is completely destroyed by the assyrians there is no 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 remnant of them left and the southern kingdom they continue for another 150 years but this 150 years now they are threatened by the babylonians now we come to the point where the ark of the covenant will come now they are threatened by who babylonians and who is the king of the babylonians king nebuchadnezzar king nebuchadnezzar now king nebuchadnezzar comes and he is taking the israelite captive he is going to take israelite captive and along with them he is taking the people into babylon and among the people who go into babylon are who daniel shadrach meshach abednego now you are getting the story now is it the, the picture becoming little clearer for you okay at this time jeremiah intervenes jeremiah is speaking to them now zechariah is dead jeremiah comes and he is speaking to them they get so angry that he is also taken and put into prison jeremiah is also put into prison for i don't know 12 15 some years he is put into prison then he comes out of prison he is the one who takes the ark of he knows that now king nebuchadnezzar will come the first thing he is going to do he is going to destroy the temple so he takes the ark of the covenant goes to mount nebo and there in the cave he goes and hides the ark of the covenant now is the picture clear so now in the temple the temple is there actually inside there is nothing it has already been taken away but nobody knows only jeremiah and few of his people and he shut the entrance of the dwelling and he told everybody that none of you will put any map of this drawing or tell anybody about this now god is responsible for this he knows the right time when he has to expose the ark to the world so from that time till revelation 1119 you will not have any mention of the ark of the covenant now what happens now king nebuchadnezzar comes he takes the israelites into captive daniel is there with them and daniel is reading the book of jeremiah he reads the book of jeremiah and he is so pious you read the entire i have taught that in understanding revelation through daniel i explained that entire thing the book of you know daniel chapter 9 i have given in detail you can go back to that and read it and what happens in that he realizes that the 70 years of captivity is going to come to an end i am going to come out of captivity and we are going to build the temple and exactly when the 70 years of captivity is over king nebuchadnezzar is not there now he has 1 2 3 king darius is in power and he says go 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 back to israel go build your you understand that so but before he does that he has already burnt moment babylon the king nebuchadnezzar enters into israel the first thing he says is to destroy the temple and for 24 hours the temple burns it burns but before that jeremiah has taken the ark away and he has hid it understanding okay so now he after 80 years he tell that now is your time to go your captivity is over after not 80 70 years now they go out and now they go and start rebuilding the second temple of jerusalem okay now the second temple of jerusalem it's uh, you know under many uh, many uh, prophets you know ezra nehemiah 
So many of them come together as Haggai, and it takes them almost 49 years after the first temple is destroyed that they are able to build the second temple. And this temple, the site they have, is the same site where Solomon. They go back to the same place where the entire temple was completely destroyed. In the same site, they built the second temple, you know, and it is rebuilt by Zerubbabel, the guy who builds it. The first temple was built by Solomon. The second temple is built by Zerubbabel. And when Zerubbabel builds this temple, it is not at all as big or majestic or as grand as how Solomon had built. It was a, a smaller version of it. So when King Herod comes into power and he wants to please the Israelites, he says, what should I do for you? He says, okay, I will rebuild your temple. And that is the temple that he rebuilds, put the outer courtyard, makes it more grand. And this is the temple that Jesus walks into and he walks into this temple and he preaches a word over there. Are you understanding? So the first temple Solomon built, destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar, by the Babylonians. Then the second temple is built after 49 years by Zerubbabel. And this is the temple which is rebuilt. Means he just modifies this temple. Who modifies it? King Herod. King Herod only modifies the temple and that is the temple that now Jesus enters. Now you understand the scene till now. Now what happens after that? Uh, of the temple that Herod built and about which Jesus foretold is what we are talking over here. Now before you come to that I will have to explain to you the one 1260 days. This is calculated as, you know, I said 360 days and it comes down to three and a half years. Now, Jesus says that you destroy this temple and I will build it in three days. I will build it in three days because he knew after his death there is going to come a first Jewish Roman war and in that war that temple is going to be completely destroyed. People do not know anything that is going to happen at that point of time when he is speaking to them. But he is not speaking about the thing that is going to take place. He is speaking about his personal death. You kill me, in three days I will be resurrected. And he is also mentioning, he knows that physically every, every brick is going to be broken down. Because that will take place in the Jewish-Roman war. Now for us, that is something which has already happened. It's not going to take place. The first Jewish-Roman war has already taken place. It's documented. Everything is done. So for us, we are, we are learning in hindsight. We know it's already taken place. We're just going back and researching it and talking about it. Now, Mother Mary has gone from Jerusalem to Ephesus. And from Ephesus, now she's gone back to Jerusalem. This is by around 63 AD. And that time there is a lot of unrest around 63 AD around 63 AD and there is a lot of unrest going on there there is between the Jews and between the Romans and the Jewish Roman war starts in 66 AD and goes on for 7 years up to 73 AD and what happens exactly at 70 AD is when they take away their temple the ark of the ark of the covenant is taken away and a statue of the Roman king is placed in the temple. Now this is the biggest war for the Jews. They have done so much of write-up and study about this war. The Jews, they, you know, they, they gave their life for holding on to the temple. 
they fought the children fought they came when you know all the when their warriors are all died people died they got killed everything happened these people went as human bodies and were lying upon the temple not allowing the roman army to come in and take capture of the temple and the war was so intense they lost women they lost children they lost so many people you know you can go and read it about it in the torah it is such a detailed war with so much of pain this war holds great significance to them and they describe that is nothing to do with this but i have read those books so i will tell you what happened so when these people came charging in the romans came charging in and these are the bodies now war has been going on for so many years it's three years of war they have lost everything i you know the people have died and war doesn't seem to come to an end now the people are you know they know that the romans will come in any time and they're going to capture the temple so these people go and become physical bodies lying over each other and at that point of time the romans are approaching near the the main chief priest he goes in takes the key of the of the temple the holy of holies and he throws it up and a hand comes from heaven and takes the key up and they all are burned alive inside there this war for the jews is like the greatest you know the thing that they talk about to generations that they till the end they did not give up that key which the uh, had he says now i'm giving it back to god the father i am not able to protect your temple but now you take responsibility he gives it back and a hand comes down and takes the key and goes away this is according to their torah according to their studies and tradition of how the first jewish roman war was fought so exactly what happens mother mary is there in 63 ad war starts in 66 ad and for 3 years the war is fought and exactly at 70 ad the romans capture it and the romans capture it and they place the statue of the roman emperor in the holy of holies they have taken away the ark they means they have taken the ark away when they opened the ark they saw nothing was there and they were wondering why these people all of them are died such miserable deaths to protect an empty ark the ark was already everything was taken away by jeremiah nobody knows we know the story it was all taken away so they thought how means fiercely these people have fought for something that is not there but the people fought for everything that they had they fought that battle for something that was completely empty and between the, before the war before the abomination of desolation could be placed before 70 ad this 3 and a half years was very crucial for mother mary and this is the 3 and a half years that she is protected by god the father by god the son so this 1260 days signifies the 3 and a half years of a period of time where mother mary is protected so what they say she fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by god so that there she can be nourished for 1260 days and here it says that what she what says over here the the woman was given the wings of two wings of the great eagle so that she could fly from the serpent into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time both of are talking about mother mary being protected for 3 and a half years so most probably her dormition happened in 66 and a half ad 66 and a half that signifies a period of protection for mother mary now when i come to the next chapter i will talk about 
the significance of the seven years. So exactly in the similar way, the seven year period will be divided into the first three and a half and the second three and a half. And in between, right, the Antichrist will, will place himself in the temple of Jerusalem as I am God. He will be the abomination of desolation. What is abomination of desolation? I taught you something that disgust and it, you totally hate it. It's, it's, it's something not even, you know, you will spit, you know, the looking at it causes so much of disgust inside of you. So that thing will take place is a seven year period. And for Mother Mary, the significance is that that first three and a half years, God would not allow her to go through that Jewish Roman war so that she would be killed. He protects and keeps a place prepared for her in the wilderness. Though she is in Jerusalem, she is protected and kept for those three and a half years. And 66 and a half AD, she assumes into heaven. Did you understand? Not everything. Huh? Not everything. It may take some time. You have to go through it again because these are not sequence of events following after each other. These are different, different portents or signs or situations that has, have taken place which are being revealed to, to John by God. First, the portent of a woman. Then the portent of the red dragon. Then we saw the archangel Michael fighting with the, fighting with the serpent. And then we see how Mother Mary is protected through all of this. Then, but the earth came to the Yes, but the earth came to the help of the woman. It opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. So here you see that the earth, the woman is, you know, after, you see the serpent poured water like a river after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. So you imagine like what you see, it's a woman and you have an entire sea of flood coming against her. And what happens? He wants the woman to be swept away by the flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman. It opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. So the woman is running. Like you imagine a woman is running and there's a huge flood of water just chasing her. And it looks like that she would be swallowed up by the flood. Instantly the earth opens up and the entire water is swallowed by the earth. But the earth is made completely dry and the woman is safe. Now, when did this happen in the Old Testament? You go to Numbers 16, verse 31. 16, 23 onwards. There is a similar thing which where the earth opens its mouth and swallows up the rivers of flood. Numbers 16, verse 23. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Say to the congregation, Get away from the dwellings of Korah, Datan and Abiram. So Moses got up and went to Datan and Abiram. The elders of Israel followed him. He said to the congregation, Turn away from the tents of these wicked men and touch nothing of theirs, or you will be swept away for all their sins. So they got away from the dwellings of Korah, Datan and Abiram. And Datan and Abiram came out and stood at the entrance of their tents together with their wives, their children, and their little ones. And Moses said, This is how you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works. It has not been of my own accord. If these people die a natural death, or if a natural fate comes on them, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates something new, and the ground opens its mouth 
and swallows them up with all that belongs to them and they go down alive to Sheol, then you shall know that these men have despised the Lord. So this is how, what is the story now? There's uh, Moses and three Israelites, three men, they rebel against Moses. Now Moses has been given supreme authority. What Moses said, what Moses spoke was the ultimate thing. No one would go beyond that. But three people have the guts to go against him. They are Korah, Datan and Abiram. These three people rebel against Moses. So what God says, ask these three people to come out along with their belongings, along with the children and along with everyone and make them stand in front of the tents. And the other people all to watch what God is going to do. Now he is going to punish these three people who have come against Moses. So all these three people, Korah, Dathan and Abiram, they come out of the tents and they're standing there along with their children, with their wives, with all the belongings that they have. And instantly what happens? The earth opens up. The earth under them opens up and the whole, it's not, you know, a few people, their belongings means it's a tribe. They would be having, you know, their servants, their their servants' children, their the animals, and there's so many. So it's not just the three of them who are going down to the earth. The earth opened up and everything or everybody who was connected with Korah, Datan, and Abiram, everybody was punished. The mistake was only of these three people, but the punishment fell upon the entire tribe, all of them. All these three people and everything that they had then possessed, everything, the earth just opened up and they went directly down right to Sheol. They went right to Sheol. So when God has to open up the earth, he will do anything. So imagine if there is a flood that is coming, a flood of people or a persecution or something coming against Mother Mary is a huge flood that could destroy her. That is an army. A flood is usually described like an army of people who are going to come and kill her. God is going to open up the earth and swallow up the army and nothing will touch his mother. Nothing would, not a scratch would come upon her, upon her. And for that, that's why there is, it has happened in the past. Everything that God does here, he has already done it in the past. So that you cannot say, oh, how is it possible? Because there is already a time in the past when he has done a similar thing. But now he is doing it in a bigger scale. So he says what? That the earth came to the help of the woman. It opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. So the dragon is trying to kill the mother anyhow. But he is unable to do it because God is standing. God the Father, God the Son are standing there. Then the dragon was angry with the woman and went to war on the rest of her children. Those who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus. Now, a dragon knows this. Now, come on us. So, the wrath that is trying to go upon Mother Mary is not happening. So, all that wrath is now pouring upon his people. And he's trying to get all the people away from following Jesus. That's why you have all this, you know, people doing all these new age techniques there. You know, all these wrong things, following the wrong gods. They are chasing after so many evil things. That is... Uh, complete increase, sudden rise. You know, some uh, 50, 60 years, it was, the world was not so, had so much of evil things. But now you see a sudden eruption of all the evil things because he's 
given a limited time now the 2100 years 200 years concept is all over he is given a limited time now how much is the time period only god knows and only he knows i do not know how much is the time period but in that time period he has to do all that the devil can do to take away all the chosen people away from so did you understand yes so chapter 12 is a little difficult chapter it is not a chapter which you can teach with uh, verse to verse scripture to scripture word to word like i can teach others because these are more symbols and signs in this and more numbers in this than in the whole book of revelation this actually book you know is a thread which holds the first part of the revelation and the second part of the revelation at all revelation is divided into the same thing repeated again it same thing repeated twice we have already finished with the wrath of god when the seventh trumpet was open the wrath of god was poured but before he opens the seventh the seventh a uh, trumpet that is the last wrath there are seven trumpets right the last while last seal has got seven trumpets so before he opens the seventh trumpet he reveals to the world who is the ark of the covenant and that ark of the covenant is mother mary is revealing to the whole world that i have given her so much of importance so much of significance she is the immaculate conception she is the virgin who had in her womb the real ark so she becomes the ark of the covenant and is giving a significance to her so we would say why couldn't jesus write her name down there no it would have saved all the confusion he said he could have just said i said lord then you could have just written no the god's temple in heaven was opened and the ark of his covenant mother mary was seen within his temple there would be no problem for anyone no one will question the who is she who will nobody is going to question why her name is not mentioned but that we have to ask god himself did he mention the name of moses and elijah as the two witnesses he's not mentioned anywhere but after that what does he say all the he gives you whatever thing that moses did whatever did elijah did so we know it is moses and elijah in the same way the ark of the covenant is also released to the people he does not say it is mother mary but what happens later on the woman with clothed with the sun with the 12 stars with the moon under her feet with giving birth and everything all all these things embodies it tells that it is nobody else it is mother mary she is an israelite and she is also the queen of heaven so she is a queen she also embodies that em, uh, like embodies the entire israel kingdom and she is a jew and she is also queen of heaven and of earth so did you understand so this chapter 12 holds the entire book of revelation together you mess up with this chapter you are messed up with entire book of revelation if you tell that it is not mother mary then that means you have not understood it at all you can you know if you change this teaching then you have changed the teaching of the entire book of revelation so you have to get this right and that's why god is showing so many portents in heaven one after the other and each with them he is telling that this is that little jewish girl that 14 year old girl who said yes to god and who brought forth the messiah into the world amen Amen